Hello friends and welcome to Talking Transformative Love, the podcast that talks vocation, love and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Island people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome, friends, to Talking Transformative Love podcast. And on today's episode, we have Claire Rankin, who I say, and many people say, is a wonderful teacher, a true scholar, and an art historian. Now, Claire, thank you for coming to Abbotsford. It's really great to be here. Thank you. um, Now, Claire, you were born in Melbourne. You were brought up Catholic. Yep. Had Catholic education. Mm -hmm. What do you believe is uh, the philosophy or belief system that shaped your childhood and continues to shape who you are? Yeah, I was really lucky, Shuan. Mum and Dad were cradle Catholics, uh, a large extended family. And I guess way back then, 60s, 70s, people were really involved in the church. Mm. You know, we we were sent to Catholic schools just as a matter of course. Yeah. And, and that was especially when we went to secondary school. You know, Dad was working sort of three jobs so that he they could pay our school fees. And yeah. we, we didn't go to wealthy, wealthy schools. But it was just something that they both had that mm. and they both thought, yeah, this is really good. This is giving our kids a great start in life. Yeah. And they believed that that was really important to, to be part of a community that mm. supported each other. Yeah. And I saw that in the parish, in their friendships, yes. in school, yeah. in, in our family. And of course, families always have their ups and downs. But mm. by and large, I think we saw people where their faith was lived. It, we didn't say the rosary every night because my parents tried it once and my brother and I just giggled all the whole way and my mother said, I can't go. As you do. <laughs> we can't yeah, do this. Not, you're not holy enough. It's not going to work. <laughs> but we saw people who cared for each other and cared for their friends. Yes. And mum used to do the tuck shop and she used to do look after be on the school council and things like that. And she was a catechist yeah. way back when Vatican II began. Mm. And so mum thought, yeah, it'd be really good to, to catch up and maybe be a catechist and sort of help yeah. others. And I thought, and I remember thinking, oh, she's really, she really believes this. She's really excited by this. Yeah. And dad used to work with St Vincent de Paul's and he was the kind of person who'd, my dad's mother lived way down in Cheltenham um, with his sister and every week dad used to go down after working in the city and he'd catch the train down and he'd go down to see his mum and have dinner with his family down yeah. there and he'd come back and we lived in Strathmore then and he'd get the train back probably about 11 o'clock at night and mum said the number of times he'd fallen asleep on, tra- <laughs> on the train. <laughs> And end up at the last station yeah. and she had to go and pick him up. But that was the kind of people they were. Yeah, yeah. And so would you um, say that you had a, a really happy childhood? Yes, I think I, think I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what would be your image of God? Or maybe we talk about what was your image and what is it now? Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting mm. question. I think my image of God certainly 
then I tended to think more in fact of more about oh Trinity what does this mean you know yeah. like the big theological ideas oh big ideas yeah. and you know and at school they they tell you well it's like an orange and you take apart the orange and, and I just used to get left left there when they're using these you know mathematical the, the ideas egg. or the egg and I used to think why does it have to be an orange? Why yeah, couldn't God be a mandarin? Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe that's not. I think you're too advanced. Basically, well, you're too advanced for that. I think. I think then I probably drove my RE teachers mad. But I think then maybe I was onto something. Well, that's why you're a scholar, right? Oh well, you well, ask the tough questions. I just love asking questions. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Same. Yeah. That's why I'm doing this podcast. Yeah. Like my friends sort of say. Angela Slattery, yes. who we both know well, Angela, when she met my brother, she looked at me and she said, you could speak underwater, he could speak underwater and concrete. <laughs> <laughs> so I think as I've grown up and continue to learn, and I've been really lucky in my working life, Joanne, as I've taught it for 20 years at mm. Yarra Theological Union, YTU, yeah, where you I studied. Know. And I have it's a shame I haven't done any units with you yet. Oh, well, you'll get your chance. Yeah, exactly. Play your cards right. Well, I'm almost done with my master's. Oh, well, you'll, so, have, well, you'll have to come back and take I a do, special year. Exactly. <laughs> Yarra has been a fantastic place to grow. It, it's a beautiful place to study in too. Oh. I've been there for two years and just writing, finishing up with my minor thesis at the moment. Great. Uh, and Matthew Beckman is my supervisor. Oh, what's, what's your thesis and topic? So my thesis topic is on youth incarceration and the dignity of the human person. Oh, wow. So I'm really, I really love Catholic social teachings because I feel like they're they're one of the jewels. They're practical. Yeah. It's and something we're doing mm. well in the church Exa at the moment. Exactly. And we've so, got a few things that are not going yeah. well, but that's good. But Yarra, is, Yarra Theological Union is a great place to study and grow, and it's such a community a yes. hub. Yes. Yeah. So um, you've been, yeah, you've been there been for over there for 20, 20 years. I've been there for 20 years, and I have learned so much. And I think my idea of God in over the years in conversations in being invited into people's lives by the yeah. questions they bring and people's stories. And I just just learned that God is so much bigger than anything. Yes. Yeah. We we've all got it wrong. We all want to we we want to keep putting God in a box and we spend hours, you know, theologians over the years have written so many pages about who God is, what God is and I kind of think the best phrase I've heard to to describe it is it's a really famous orthodox scholar John Sassoulis who talked about even thinking about God it's it's like stuttering before infinity and yeah. I just thought it is it's wow. that sense of awe when you think you want to start to speak and then you just go D -d -d words are useless yeah you, you, I think you, you'll have to experience. God is an experience. Is not. We had a chat yesterday in Ballarat to Peter Ford, who is the head of religious education in Loretto, Ballarat. Yeah, yeah. And he described God as Karl Rana does, which is mystery. Mystery, so, absolutely. Um, you, you know, what we also talked about with Peter was he said, you know, as as soon as you think you have 
grasped God. You actually haven't. <laughs> That's right. And because you're, you're, mm. you're already imposing a human, a human view, which, is, yes. which can never capture the, the mystery, which is the essence of God, yeah. which means even when you think, when you feel love, when mm. you're in a great relationship, when you've just finished a project and it's gone really well, when you've met someone and you think, gee, that was a great, wasn't that great? Yeah. yeah. And then you, but you kind of think, that's just a taste. Yeah, isn't that beautiful though? It is, it is. It's so much more. Yes, because you think, and that's why I love that image for the synod on synodality of the, the new stage now where yes. And it's expand your tent. Yeah. Expand your tent. Pick up the pegs and put them as far yeah. as you can. And then be prepared to stretch it even further. Yeah. Uh, Except, I don't know about the word synodality in the contemporary context. Oh, well, what does I it mean, mean? What does it mean? But also, how relevant is that word to younger people? Uh, how many young people would actually know what the word synodality no. means? How many how many people my age actually know? Yeah. I think <laughs> if you talk about maybe it's even synod coming together, if it's that image of kind of walking, walking together, together yeah. like on pilgrimage, yes. like Mary Wart, <laughs> yeah. walking on pilgrimage. Yeah. And what do you do when you're walking? Yes. You're looking around and you're talking and you're listening yes. and you're thinking and some are going at a different pace yes. and it doesn't matter because it's not getting there. No. It's a journey. Yeah. And I think I prefer the word from the Illaru statement from the heart, makarata. Mm. Makarata. Oh, yeah. I, I think if we used a cooler word than synodality, oh, <laughs> like oh. the word makarata is What is do cooler. you mean? You mean <laughs> synodality isn't going to get the hipsters in. Well, it, it's, yeah, and that's the thing. It's about, for me, language is so important. How do you understand makarata? The coming together. The coming together, yeah. And I think, I know that synodality obviously is, is different because it's the walking on the journey together. But we need to come together to yeah. be able to walk together exactly. anyway. Exactly. We need so, to have these times when we, we, we create the big tent. Yes. Yeah. Don't we? So, well, but I do like your expansive vision of God oh, or image it, of God. And it just keeps growing. Yeah. And I love that. And I think it grows more and more in the sense that the more we experience in life and for me the more theological study and reflection I do the more expansive that image becomes yeah because you, you come to the point you say oh I haven't really learned anything that's right and you think and you read something it was when you yeah. said like Rana or you read something or someone says something to you and it just kind of knocks you and you and you think I haven't heard I haven't heard that before because we're different every day of our lives mm. because to live is to change and to change often I think Newman or someone said something like that we're not static no we're constantly moving and changing and evolving and so we're always going to be the we always have the potential yeah to keep discovering mm. and, and in relationships yes to keep growing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, Claire, what gives your life energy and meaning? In my phone conversation with you, you described art as a relationship with a loving God. 
And for you, and I'm sure for many people, art, music and literature unlock things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I find I was really lucky growing up. Both my parents loved music and they loved reading and they didn't, we didn't have much money, but dad used to belong to the Catholic library, which was then a really great lending library in Elizabeth Street. And they had a great children's section. And once a week, dad used to go in and he'd choose books that he thought we might be interested in. Mm. And then we, you know, and then we had the radio and mum and dad, as I said, loved classical music. So the radio was always tuned to the classical music station. And I grew up in a household where there was always beautiful music. We had books to read. We always discussed what we were reading and talked about what we were listening to. And I found music was a place to go that kind of took me on an inner journey. And the same with reading and the same with art. Mum and Dad had reproductions of famous works of art. Mm. In and they might have been wedding presents or something that were in their the dining room and Mum had a beautiful Filippo Lippi Madonna and Child that yeah. a friend had bought her back a copy of this um, in their bedroom and I used to go and look at those paintings those images and some of them were old masters you know yeah scenes of Venice. And I used to go and I used to make up stories about what was happening in the paintings. (laughs) And I was so fascinated by the artist telling stories. And I always felt the artist was was telling a story for me. Yeah. So I found art a place to go and sit and imagine and and to wonder who were the people who these were were painted for? What did it mean at the time? And I've always, I've always been drawn to, as you can probably tell, I'm an extrovert, <laughs> but I've always been drawn to, to music and visual art and literature, poetry, mm. as, a, as a place where I can find that, that sort of inner, inner place yeah. where, where, I can pause mm. because I think being an extrovert, you're always externalizing and being prompted by things that are going on around you. Yes, mm. but sometimes you need that still space. Yeah, and that's and that's I think where I can find mm. that still space. I also find that art is relational because it's a, an author, a musician who are speaking in another language. Yeah. Mm. And I and I think it's wonderful to be listening and sharing and entering into that gift that they're yeah. giving. But also it gives to so many other people. Mm. And so it's 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 a circle of relationships yes. mm. draws people together. Yeah. And that's what art does, hey, it unlocks things. Absolutely. And so um, tell us about your travels because we've we've talked about that a bit in the sense that you've done quite a bit of travel. I've been very lucky to yeah. be able to. Yes. Um, I suppose I know this is going to be really hard, but where is your favourite place? And um, maybe within that context of travel, 
tell us about Painted Life of oh, Mary Wood. Oh, because <laughs> you'll be the first person to talk about the Painted wow. Life. Wow, lucky so, me, yeah. lucky me. <laughs> oh, well, look. First of all, I think in travel, mm. I think I would have to say Italy. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been lucky to travel through through Europe in dif different parts of Europe, in Northern Europe, in in Britain, um, France, Greece. However, it's always Italy that draws me. Yes, draws me back because mm. I think, first of all, of the the art. That's what I studied. That's what I wrote my thesis on. I lived there. I was lucky enough to live there for some time, for different periods of time. And there's something there's something about the Italian capacity to to express the most beautiful moments of life. Yes. And also the saddest, mm. and they express it in a way that touches you in all senses, not not just intellectually, but emotionally and spiritually yes. as well. Mm. And I just think there's something about that gift. I mean, Italians, Italians love stories, yeah, and they love they live in an, in a culture an ancient culture well, you know about ancient cultures yeah. obviously but there's such a richness there's such a sense of the beauty yeah in their lives even though people if you walk through naples i just love walking through naples and you walk through parts that uh, are obviously were, were were still quite you know working class people mm. don't have a lot and yet there's an incredible bustle and hum and people will live their lives very much on their front doorstep because yeah. they, they don't have a lot of room and they're so open. Yeah. And I just yeah. love, I love that. I think, yeah. I think that's the way they can combine sort of opposites. Yes. I think there's something just exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sort of sweet as well. Mm. Yeah. And there's obviously a shared, shared resources. Yes, oh, a sense absolutely. of hospitality. Oh, absolutely. Whereas I think now we're so, um, I mean, living in the Western world, well, Western as in, you know, Australia. Yeah, um, yeah. We're, we can be so gated. Like we have a gate to protect us from the gate. Oh, to yeah. Protect us from, from the, yeah, like from the like, <laughs> yeah, it's like layers gate, of gate, fortress, gate, isn't door. it? Yeah. I know. And in Italy, people think that's very strange. I mean... They do have a sense of the family and protecting the family. And they, you talk about, you know, la bella figura, keeping the right impression. There is that as well. Yeah. So everyone at five o'clock goes out for the passeggiata. Everyone goes out, put on their best clothes and walk, taking their little dog with them and they smile. And there's something <laughs> wonderful. It's yeah. about theatre. It's about theatre. But they also look after each other. Yes, and I just think um, yeah. it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's mm. it's a passion for life. But talking about passions for life, yeah. Mary Ward and the Painted Life. Oh, it's extraordinary! It's the most amazing series of paintings that were fifty of them that are about mm, about that high. How yeah. do you think that is? Like a mirror. Yeah, by about. By a meter, one by one. Probably. Yeah. So these are large canvases. They're not small no, little. Yeah, I actually paintings. thought they were a lot smaller. No, no, no. They're really quite yeah. large. Fifty of them, on canvas, narrating 
Mary Ward's life. Although we don't see the death, it's possible that there were two other paintings that have since been lost or destroyed. And because when you're portraying the life of a person, especially the life of a really significant religious figure, you usually would end with their death. Yes. So we don't have that. But we have her first years, and I love the first painting in The Painted Life. It's, I think it's called Mary's First Word. Yeah, Jesus, and wasn't Jesus, it? Yeah. Jesus. But it's really interesting, and this has intrigued me, and I've even given a paper partially on this. Mary is in the centre of the painting as a small child, and the background to the story is her mother has just come into the room and I think Mary had fallen and oh, she was she was just learning to walk and she was stumbling and yeah. her mother saw her and thought she was going to fall and she must have said something like, you know, Jesus protect her or Jesus, Jesus look after her and Mary just mimics, yeah. got, stood her hands on the chair, very composed yeah. and she just says Jesus. And apparently she never said anything for several months after. after. <laughs> so she well, thought, I don't enough. need to. I don't need to. Jesus need is enough. To. Jesus is enough. <laughs> but in the painting, she's standing there and you see these letters coming out of her mouth and they spell Jesus, but it's in reverse. So that it looks as if it's the letters are reversed. And I thought, I've seen that before. I've seen artists do that. It's in paintings of the Annunciation when the angel comes to Mary and, you know, invites her yeah. to be the mother of God. And she says, Ave Maria Grazia. Um, yes, she says yes. And when she says, uh, when she says yes, her phrase yeah. is reversed because she's not saying it to the angel. She's saying it to God. And it's imagining God's up there and it's reversed for him. Wow. And I think I never that's knew what that. no. I know. I know. It's incredible. And I thought, Mary's saying Jesus, this is saying she's she's not saying it for her mother. She's saying it to God. So it's a lovely it's a lovely metaphor, if you like, for saying that from the earliest times yes. Mary was mm. going to be reunited with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She knew what she was doing. Mm. Everything in her life, it's that yeah. sort of sense of everything in her life. As it was going to be It was in that Jesus. journey. That's right. Yeah, and, and we talked about that a bit, uh, you and I on the phone, about Mary Ward, because often we focus on Mary Ward so much mm. and not so much on Jesus, but actually in reality Mary Ward was gazing oh, yeah. at we Jesus to be able to do what she did. Look at what Mary's looking at. Say what uh, Mary's saying. Yes, yeah. And it all points to yeah. that, doesn't it? No, yeah, exactly. And so what, what would be your favourite painted life? I know there's 50 to choose from. Oh! <laughs> oh! oh. I, I, um, my, What's your my, Well, my first profession is coming up soon. And uh, Taylor, who's here with us in the studio uh, recording this, she designed the booklet for me for my oh, first profession lovely. because she's phenomenal. Um, oh, wow. But uh, the two images that I have, which I feel very drawn to in the painted life at this point in my life is image 22, I believe. It, it's it's a circle of friends. Oh, yes. And then beside, beside that is Mary has one foot on the boat, boat. 
and one out. So like going on mission and the way Taylor's designed it is that we have the circle of friends at the front mm. and then at the back we have Mary, Mary going, out. going out. And it, and for me, I think that's been my journey with the IBVM is that I, I met these women and I thought, yes. And obviously, I mean, I felt called by Jesus. Yeah. But then I met the women that I wanted to be, you know, I suppose a part of that community and it's not just the IBVM women. It's actually became much larger. It became the women that were uh, inspired by Mary Ward. And I felt drawn to that group of people. Yeah. Women and men, actually. Yeah. And then it's, for me, it's about being drawn into that. And then now that I've been immersed in it for the last four years, mm-hmm. now it's about mission for me as well. It's about having that one foot to be yes. to be mobile, to be able to move beyond my comfort zone too, and to find yeah, and and to find Jesus in all the other people who, because of your relationship with Mary Ward, and then the community yes. that are living her life, and then when you get formed in that, it's sort of like you see it yeah. in everyone, don't yes. you? Yeah. Or you're looking for it. Yeah. And you're finding the ways the ways you can relate to people and how you can connect because of that experience. So for me, that's what I feel drawn to at this point um, Mm. in time. And it could change. It will, but they're beautiful. Yeah. So what about yours? What's your favourite? (laughs) I really love the glory vision. Uh Yeah. Because for me, that was, I never really understood and this is why I'm so grateful to all of the great Mary Wall women who have just taught me so much. Mm. And and just by who they are, yeah. you, you just sort of think, oh, I get this. Yeah. I get this. Mm. I'd always thought glory was, oh, it was all trumpet sounding and pomp and, you know, bowing down before the, the, the king. The, the king. Yeah. And I just sort of thought, Glory, glory, glory. But she's sitting there combing her hair. Mary doesn't seem as if she's wrapped up in, you know, the the, the full the full choir singing. Yes. And it's all about, you know, being lifted up and everyone saying, oh, oh, this is wonderful. We're bowing down our heads. And then Angela, I think, sort of t- was talking with me about this. And she said, it's. I think it's Irenaeus in like the third century or something said, the, the glory of God is in the human person fully alive. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my that's God, it. I can recognise that. Yeah. <laughs> thought, yeah. Oh, that's it. Uh, uh, that's that's the fully yeah. alive. And then I looked at her and I thought, yes, it's her. It's her understanding. It's her responding. And I kind of thought, that's what I feel. That's what I identify with Mm. and that's what her life was about yeah liberation Mm. she wanted people whether it was people struggling in faith struggling in ill health struggling against depression just didn't have enough to eat yes she understood all of those things that prevent the human being to flourish yeah and and she wanted people 
Mm. She she wanted people to fully be able to experience mm. what it was to be truly embraced by mystery and love. Yeah, and to be fully alive. To be fully alive. And she was. I think every day of her life she was fully alive to yeah. what God was inviting her to be part of. Yeah, fully Jesus. attentive and responsive. Fully and, attentive, mm. exactly. Yeah. And in her letters you always feel, first of all, the tone in the letters that I've read, it's a really, it's lovely, down-to-earth, intimate. She's saying, now, did you get those sheets I sent you? And yeah. I know we haven't got any money, but if you could just send me a little bit because I saw this gorgeous material that I know we could use for something. <laughs> and I just thought, she's she's practical woman. Practical woman. <laughs> but then she says, now, the young novice, now make sure she has everything she needs and I don't want her to be pushed too much because she needs to she needs to feel comfortable. And I thought she's constantly attentive. To the well being. To the well being. Yeah. She really, really she understands listening to people. Yes. And first of all, it's their well being. Yeah. Always. And I think that's what you see in her last words, and I'm stealing your yeah. thunder a bit, but <laughs> she's always. Yeah. So what were her last words? Let your vocation be constant, efficacious and affectionate. And what do they mean to you? Oh, and they mean try and always act with equanimity. Yeah. Try and make sure that the decisions you make and the things you decide to do always going to be good things to do that mm. they'll leave the place better yes and affectionate always believe in people always look for the best in people mm. and always be kind yeah and always value the individual yeah and I just kind of think that's such a, a wonderful mm. form of life and she lived it yeah and her followers I mean after the suppression of the order, I can't think of anything that would have been more devastating. It was a terrible thing to do. Mm. You know, it's an example of sometimes the church persecutes those who were closest yes. to it. And so for her, oh, it, it could have been devastating. It was devastating. But a band of women against all odds, probably their families were pulling out their hair. Yes. What are they doing? Our daughters are going to be dishonoured. We have no money. They mm. have no money. But they believed. Yeah. They, they stuck with her. And they carried the story. And that's what the painted life is. They carried the story. They knew it was so, they knew it was so vital because when the painted life, they're probably painted from just maybe after Mary's death, anywhere between, say, 1650 and maybe 1680, yeah. so it could be over a 30-year period. First of all, they've got no money. No. So how do they pay artists? Yeah. And then where they're finally uh, housed in Augsburg, remember this is at a time when they're now, the women who are joining aren't just the women who've come over from England. They're also women who are joining from uh, non-English-speaking backgrounds. Yes. So how do you tell the story to a new generation who won't all share the same cultural background? 
So the visual language, it's mm. in the stories, they will perhaps speak to a wider audience mm. as well as women talking about what happened or they'll talk about it in front of the paintings because the paintings are based on a relationship. Yeah. Paintings are there to be looked at and interpreted and entered into. And so I can imagine they would have asked questions. Mm. What's Mary doing there? Or why is this scene important? And this is the women. It's the women choosing. It's the women telling their story. They're not waiting for somebody else to come in yeah. and tell the story. They're saying, no, we, we have the legacy. We are the legacy. And we want to tell the story as we remember this remarkable woman in a way that's going to bridge this incredibly important moment in the lives of our institute, which has already had so many terrible blows. And yet the painted life has been one of the vehicles, I think, yeah. that has helped ground the order mm. in who they are and who Mary was. Yeah. I hope now that when we go back, we can make this resource available to a new audience today. Yeah. So speaking of uh, remarkable women, we're going to end with, with this particular question. Uh, I believe that you're a remarkable woman. What makes Claire, Claire? Oh, oh, that's so lovely. It's being inspired by people like Mary Ward. It's been inspired by the people who've come into my life and as you said before, you said something, I think the older you get, the more you realise that God sends you what you need. Yes. And boy, have I been sent the most wonderful bouquet. My room is packed with the most, it's like if you could think of all the wonderful people that I have had the privilege to meet and to have friendships with. Some of them have died, some of them still thank God, is still here. Yeah. But all of them have touched and they've added something to who I am. Yes. They've been part of my hopefully growing in greater sense mm. of, you know, mystery and love. And to be able to see that is a way of saying, yes, God, God is Jesus is the human face of God and everyone around us is the face of Jesus walking with us, reminding us of that. Wow, that's beautiful. Oh, you're amazing, Claire. What a real honour and pleasure to have this chat with you. You were just oh. remarkable, really. Wow, well, um, it wasn't a chat. We feel transformed by you. Well, it was a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great conversation. Oh, Thank you so much you. for making the time for us. Thank you. Thank it's you. A pleasure. Thanks for coming on the journey with us. This podcast was developed for Loretto Vocations Week. We want to continue the conversation, so we hope to see you at the next episode.